Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi and welcome once again to History Dweeps. My name is Tim and welcome to the podcast where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. And the topic of our podcast today, is, the name of our podcast is The Hollywood Sign Girl, The Death of Peg Entwistle. Uh, Peg was a young actress back in 1932 who became the only person to commit suicide by jumping off the Hollywood sign. It's so probably junk because her name's stupid. What's wrong with her name? It's a stupid name. Peg? Peg? And Twistle. What the fuck is that? That's, he was the basis for the who. How can you say that's... First of all, I don't give a fuck. Well, I think she that was, wasn't the basis for the who. I think that was her give, I mean, family name. Well, and I think that if you're going to be an actress in Hollywood, you change it to something besides in Twistle. You what have you? 38 last names. Who are you to judge? Yeah. Well, first of all, because... I have all first names. Well, let Let's me just point, let me let yeah, me point don't even out. Have a last name. I, I have all first names too, but before but before we get into that, let, this is my segment. Sorry, it's, it's right. Timmy time. <laughs> wow, somebody's a little feeling a little ballsy today. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> the topic of our podcast is the Hollywood girl sign or the Hollywood sign girl, whatever. The death of Peg Entwistle. It's actually a very interesting story. We're going to get I into it. it. After I introduce my very rude co-hosts, uh, first up is the very lovely and talented, the queen of mean, the mistress of the macabre, the empress of evil, Satan's dirty little secret, pill popping, penis loving, Brandy. How are you today, Brandy? I'm all right, Timmy. How are you? Well, I'm just fine. You know, I'm. Try, I'm glad we were staying out of the podcast wars. Apparently, there's some <laughs> podcast drama going on on some of the pages of some of the other podcasts. And That's just crazy. happy that we're able to stay under the radar. Yeah. I'd like to know what some bitch bashed us. You've not been introduced. Because they got a Facebook you page. I can not, find them. You have not been introduced. Okay. But I hate that We'll shit. get to that shit. No, we won't. We're, we're staying out of the fray. <clears throat> no, we are not staying out of the we fray. We are. They besmirched the colonel's name. It's war. I don't think they mentioned you. They just mentioned our podcast sucked, which is, <laughs> they got a point. That's I me, mean, you know. <laughs> Truth is the ultimate defense, right? Well, and if people paid for it, I would give a fuck. But, you know, they don't. And well, some people so, do. We have, we have Patreon. No, but you know what I mean. We're not charging like a $1.99 right, an episode. Right, 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 right. It's right. not like the person was out any money. Just move on. Uh, so, Brandy, how are you feeling today? I feel good. I got my Christmas shopping done. Oh, what did you, what did you get the Colonel and I? I know. Did you get your gift yet, Colonel? I did not get my gift yet, Timmy. Yeah. Is it going to be later, or when when can we expect that? Well, 
I, I, you can expect it when I get my gift. Did from you give me the same thing you got me last year? Different color. Okay. Uh, so you got all your Christmas shopping done. Noah will be glad to hear that. Did you? Is what is Santa bringing young Noah? Well, if you can say, and Noah listens to the podcast. He does listen to Noah. the podcast. <laughs> no, 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 is he does five years old? But he should. Yes, he is five. Okay. So he was actually he's the easy one to buy for. I have to buy for him, and then I have to buy for you know the seventeen-year-old. Seventeen-year-olds. Yeah, five-year-olds. You can just buy him like worms or something. Or well, yeah. 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 No, he want Noah's getting. You just you know, give him the damn box. Yeah, there yeah. And Noah's Noah's getting almost everything that was on his list this year for Christmas. So he's been a pretty good boy. Clearly, he is not being a good boy today for his father, which makes my heart just a little Why bit happy. Why is that? I don't know. He's just not. He's giving he keeps, him titty twisters, Tim. Yeah. Oh, titty twisters, huh? Yeah, Dave does. Dave does not appreciate a good titty twister, I'll tell you. Well, you know. You, <laughs> but when when you when you when, you know what? When you plant your seed, you gotta you got you take that risk. You you know what, what is a time and a place for titty twisters? I'm a little aggravated at Dave, so Noah can just have <laughs> at it. He can do the dreaded double titty twister. Oh yeah. He can give him a purple nurple for all I care. Oh my goodness. The titty tornado, Timmy. That's dangerous. Colonel, how are you today? Oh, wait a minute. I have to introduce you. Also on our panel, uh, to Brandy's left, is, is, the, is the colonel. Is the very honorable, the uh, moral compass of our podcast, the Reverend Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawkwaters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman, also known as the most dangerous man in podcasting today. How are you, Colonel? Disturbed, Timmy. <laughs> Why are you disturbed? Oh, Why is this, is this, this is different gonna, than any other day? Oh, this is this Christmas thing. He's been telling me about this all morning. Well, what? So what, what, what are you concerned? Well, first of all, concern. the wife went to Seattle for eight, nine days, whatever. She yeah. got back last oh, night. Oh, she's back now? No wonder you look uh, No wonder you uh, look like you've had a shower. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And she... She's... She, She's insistent that you groom yourself? She is insistent on that, and she... Stickler for the grooming. She's done no Christmas shopping. Well, you So have we had days. to start our this Christmas is, uh, shopping last night. Well, <clears throat> December 20th, so you yeah. have five more days. I burned the hell up out of Amazon.com last night. But anyway, was that Christmas shopping, Timmy? Why You've you... had plenty of time to do yeah, your Christmas shopping. Yeah, you could have Christmas shopped the last How the fuck days? am I going to do Christmas shopping? I don't know what people want. Oh. Well, did you had you bought anything for Renee yet? Um, yeah, I do have something for Renee. Mm -hmm. um, she gets to keep the colonel for another year. Does she get a gift receipt so. with that? Because she need, she'll take that <laughs> shit back. She she gets to she gets the she gets to be pleasured by the colonel <laughs> for another year. <laughs> you know my well, you know my stomach is not <laughs> quite up to fighting no, weight I mean, here. Come no. on now. So anyway, Timmy, I'm out. She got me dragging all over the world. And uh, looking for the perfect gift for a nine-year-old girl. Nine-year-old girls, you don't give a fuck. Get what's wrong? Nine-year-old girls take who, cash just who, like everybody who's else. Who's the nine-year-old girl? You, Sarah's girlfriend. They daughter. don't take cash. Yeah, they do. Every I, kid takes cash. What, what's wrong with a kid taking cash? And then I got great nieces and nephews. The oldest ones three, not even three years old. And we got to pick out the goddamn perfect onesie or whatever for the kid. But. That's neither here nor there. Uh, Renee's got to get the perfect spend, gift for everybody. Why did you spend 10 minutes talking about it? If because as we're driving around, Renee insists on listening to this, this pagan story. Christmas music. All right, Christmas music. Pagan Christmas pagan music. Yeah. Christmas, 
pagan. I yeah, mean, by, it's, isn't by nature Christmas uh, a non- It's a pagan holiday, Timmy. It, it's supposed to celebrate the, the birth of our Lord and Christ, right. Lord and Savior Jesus then Christ. How, how do you get a pagan? And now out? we have commercialized the whole thing and turned it into a pagan ritual where we give gifts and eat food and don't celebrate the birth of our Lord in a manger. And oh, oh, Jesus. By the way, this, and, is, this is why he doesn't get anything from me for Christmas. Oh, yeah. So anyway, Timmy. Okay. I'm listening. I'm listening to the radio. Right. And Renee says, oh, turn that up. I like this song. What song and it's, was it? Baby, it's cold outside. That's a nice song. What it's song? not nice at all, Timmy. It's the rapiest song I ever heard <laughs> in my whole life. Why do you say that, Carl? It's a rapey okay. song. Let me read some lines from this. Oh, he's got the lyrics. I got the lyrics. Okay, baby. You know, he can cold. never read my script, but he's got the lyrics to "Baby, It's Cold Outside." Baby, it's cold outside. She says, "I got to go away. I've been hoping you'd but drop in." That's him. Mm-hmm. She's saying, "I got to go. My mother will start to worry, and my father will be pacing the floor." He just ignores what she says. Uh-huh. Just listen to the fireplace roar. No, really, I got to squirry, scurry. Squirry? Sweetheart, what's your hurry? Then she's like feeling pressured, you know, mm-hmm. feeling really pressured. Well, maybe just a half a drink more. All right. So then he's, he's going to roofie her now. Yeah, and this is what he says to her. <laughs> this is what the man says. Right. Why don't you put some records on while I pour? Oh. Okay. Yeah, he's going to slip her a Mickey. She says all the neighbors <laughs> might think. He says, but baby, it's bad out there. Then. He's just looking out for her well Listen to what there's, the poor girl prob- says. There's probably some slippery road conditions. and Say, what's in this drink? <laughs> now, she's already getting dizzy. She's, his, she's he's like your Maybe eyes she are just like can't started. handle her alcohol. No, he he roofied her. Ex- <laughs> okay, ex- I simply here. must go, uh-huh. but baby, it's cold out there. Now this is where she just is flat out saying no. The answer is no. Mm-hmm. No means no. But baby, it's cold out there. Like the weather matters, and and then he's like, but it is cold outside. My brother's going to be at the door. You know, I, I hope her brother shows up with a shotgun and blows his balls right through his taint, Timmy. Because this through poor little girl. His taint. Yeah. Colonel, and then awful upset over this she's like, song. I it's, got it's, to go home. It's kind of a standard, Colonel. And listen to the listen to the underlying themes here, Timmy. Okay. These, these subliminal words he's using. Like, I've got to go home. He says, you'll freeze to the bone out there, Timmy. Uh, you know what she's getting to. Then she says, <laughs> I don't, say, I don't, lend me actually. a comb. And he says, it's up to your knees out there. You know what he's saying. She's half roofied. Come on, get down on your knees. Let me okay. give you the bone. First of all, <laughs> and, I'm gonna, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, there can't be two pages to this. You need to stop what you're doing. Because, first of all, you being you know part of the moral majority that you are yeah can go fuck yourself going on like you've never roofied anybody i feel roofied <laughs> when i'm around you half the time so i don't think and it's a christmas song and he wants her to stay in he wants her to stay safe to deflower her what do you care it says right here just give is me the five, word deflower in just there just give me five minutes more 
And then five minutes. She's drunk. Think. She's roofied, and she's <laughs> like, "Sure, you sure know how to wear a girl down?" No. Don't so you? basically, you're saying he's he's good. He's gonna bang her in five minutes. Her, the last words of the song. Uh-huh. Just give me five minutes more. Uh-huh. He says, she says, "You sure know how to wear a girl down, don't you?" As she slips into unconsciousness. <laughs> and his last four words are, "Okay, okay, okay, okay." Now tell me, that's not the rapiest song I ever heard in my whole life. No means no, goddammit. Well, no Colonel, means no. I, I'm glad you're speaking up for our, uh, you know, for the women out there. I really not to not to use a word that's appeared on our page several times, but. Could you be more of a twat waffle? For real. <laughs> okay. Twat waffle. So it's okay with you for this poor girl to get trapped in this cabin. Be deflowered. The misery cabin. Rufy deflowered. He probably hit the dirty flower. You know he did if she's all... She's sort of like, like Bill Cosby, isn't he? Yeah, I can't drink that scotch. It makes my butt hurt. So, I mean, how can you defend that song? Yeah, it's hard to defend No, that. I'm just I'm just over you talking about it. You're, you're just saying he's the wrong messenger. Oh, I'm just saying. He is the wrong man. He can't deliver <laughs> no matter a Western what. Union telegraph. No matter what the message is. Doesn't matter. He's the wrong messenger. Not a well, telegraph. Do you agree, Timmy? I, I, do you I'm agree? disturbed is it more? by it. Yeah, I'm disturbed it's by a, it. it. It has nothing at all to do you're, with the Christmas You're disturbed spirit. by it. <laughs> First of all, you know what? I'm Can disturbed. we talk about this dumb bitch that jumped off the Hollywood sign I'm disturbed sign we spent 20 minutes on that. Who He's one that? of those guys. Who thought that was a good idea? Who's like, it's better producer? to give than receive. Yeah. And he just wanted to give. I got I got you, Colonel. He he, he was trying he to. He, so there's a ban on that whole song. From all right, on. all right. Maybe it's cold outside. will never be played on this podcast. Never. Well, never shall I didn't know that that list. was a risk. <laughs> We want to thank our uh, the folks who sponsor us on Patreon. It makes it possible for us to uh, bring you this podcast each week, uh, help us pay the bills. We want to appreciate all of you who support us. If you would like to support us on Patreon.com, you can go to Patreon.com backslash uh, History Dweebs. That's pa- uh, Patreon.com slash History Dweebs, and you can give a little, a lot, or how much, Colonel? Just a wee little bit. A wee little bit. Every little bit helps, keeps us on the yep. air. We want to thank our uh, Patreon sponsors. They include uh, Alicia and Chip, Brandy McBride, Lise over there in Norway, Amber Scoville, Jahara, who's, by the way, whose Dolphins are playing very well there, Colonel. Yeah, they're knocking the Broncos out of the <clears throat> thing there. Playoff pitcher. Andrew Happ. Mandy Swanson, who uh, who reappeared on our page. Thank you, Mandy. We, we was worried about you there. We hadn't seen you in a while. Jennifer Siemens, of course, and her uh, mother, Linda, and son, Hunter. Big Angelo, uh, Bridget Clavey, Cindy Lou, uh, Charlie, and Allie from the uh, Insight Podcast. Most of, they both are sponsors of our show, so we'd like to thank both of them for sponsoring us. Leslie Hagar. Uh, Annette Petre in the Bronx. Annette Yo, Petre. Bronx. Uh, thank you, Annette, for your generous contributions. <laughs> and, of course, Rudy the Wonder Dog. Thank you all very much. We appreciate it. Again, if you would like to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash historydweebs. And thank you. And in the interest of uh, trying to keep our Patreon sponsors happy, Timmy, Mm-hmm. Uh, Rudy feels like one of the people on the show is not carrying the weight. Uh, would that be a female? 
It would be. Okay. Yeah. What can you do? Your dog can go fuck himself, too. He's a Patreon sponsor. Yeah, d- d- would you? C- nice. This, it, this is why we're never going to get anywhere. He's paying the bills. Yeah. Is he? Is he really? Yeah. Or is he just one more person that suckles on Renee's financial teeth? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about the Hollywood sign girl, the death of Peg and Twistle. Yeah. She should have changed that shit. I know. You don't like her name. but it's a uh, stupid name. Yeah, she jumped off the You don't mind sign, a rapey song, but you're all upset well, about this girl's name. Well, because her name, you're, I'm not carrying on about her name means come rape me. I'm saying it's a stupid name. If she's going to be in Hollywood, trying to break it into Hollywood, it's clear why she didn't because nobody can say her fucking name. So you, you already and know. And it's not just Timmy. Timmy can never <laughs> say anybody's fucking name. <laughs> well, it doesn't roll off the tongue. I'll give you that. But let's talk about let's talk before we talk about Peg. Let's talk about the Hollywood sign. You all familiar with the Hollywood sign? No, yeah. tell me all about it. What does it say? Have you ever seen the Hollywood sign? Yes, I have too. You, Carl? I have been to it in person. Too. All right, so yeah. have I. Have I've you? seen it. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't been. I've seen it in person, but I haven't been up to it. All right, uh, it's kind of. Like I went to Paris once, and I was like three blocks away from the Eiffel Tower, but I just said, "Fuck it, it's too far." I yeah, can see the well, top of it. I wonder how many people jump. We're gonna have to do a show. Uh, they, uh, they've got um, suicide barriers now on the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, they've kind of cowards. All right, the uh, Hollywood sign is well. We know how many people jumped off the Hollywood sign. That's one. One, just one. The Hollywood sign is a landmark and an American cultural icon located in Los Angeles, California. It's not in Pasadena. No, it's in Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles. Is it in Hollywood? It is situated on Mount Lee. I bet you didn't know that. In the Hollywood Hills area of the San, Santa Monica Mountains. You know who uh, probably sees it every day is our friend Michael, Michael Burstall. He's up yeah. here in L.A. The sign, of course, overlooks Hollywood and Los Angeles. Hollywood is spelled out in 45-foot-tall white capital letters that are 350 feet long. Oh, that's bigger than a football field. The first sign was erected, Colonel, <laughs> in, 19, in 1923, and it originally read Hollywood Land. So instead of just Hollywood, it was Hollywood Land, okay? It was, uh, its purpose was to advertise the name of a new housing development in the hills above Holly, the Hollywood district of Los Angeles. The sign would flash in segments, Hollywood Land. So you kind of see that blinking in your mind, okay? It would light up individually before it lighting up entirely. Um, and then there was a searchlight below the Hollywood Land sign that drew even more uh, attention to the sign, okay? The poles were supported, uh, that supported the sign were hauled to the site by mules, not drug mules, real mules. The cost of the project was $21,000 uh, this was in 1923, or equivalent to $291,000 in today's money. Still not bad. That's a pretty good deal. Hell, I'd put it up in my apartment if, if they allowed that. I think there's some kind of rules against that. Yeah. The sign was officially uh, dedicated in 1923. It was only intended to last for a year and a half, but after the rise of the American cinema in Los Angeles during the golden age of Hollywood, the sign became an international recognized symbol of 
Hollywood and the uh, movie industry. In 1949, the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce began a contract with the City of Los Angeles Parks Department to repair and rebuild the sign. The contract stipulated that, remember I said it was Hollywood land? They stipulated mm -hmm. that the land part be removed and just for it to, the sign just to spell Hollywood, uh, which reflected the district and not the Hollywood land housing development that it originally was intended to promote. In 1932, the sign became famous for another reason. It was the site of a suicide by a young actress named Peg Entwistle. Okay, now I'm going to tell you a little bit about Peg, give you her background, and we'll get to her suicide. Are you on the edge of your seat, Brandy? Oh, clearly. How's that Candy Crush game coming? It's working out all right. Oh, you're going to love this. I'm listening. Millicent Lillian. Millicent? Millicent Lillian. Peg and Twistle. I don't mind Millicent. If I had a, if I had Are a, you kidding me? If, if Noah had been Lillian. A Lillian. Lillian. Cannot There's, drive the car. Lillian. The, there is explain what we're, when, when, we need to explain what, when we're able to do the Lillian, what we're doing. <laughs> it's an Eddie Murphy skit. It's an Eddie Murphy skit uh, where he's talking about No, I was going to name Noah Millicent. Drunken dad, right? You were? Yeah, because I like the name Millie. But that's the least Hollywood name you that could've, ever could've you could've be. still named But it. Millie's all right, so she went with Peg and Twistle. I'm well, sure her name Millicent is Peg is dumb. short for Margaret for some bizarre reason. That's short for Peggy, isn't it? No, Peg is a Peg is a shortened version of Margaret, but this girl's name was just Peg. Yep. I thought it was because she only had one uh, she had a wooden leg. She was a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Millicent so Lillian. So maybe she thought she was up on the crow's nest and just fell off. Million. I hate that. <laughs> Lillian. Millicent Lillian Peg Entwistle. Say that three times real fast. No, I bet you can't even. <laughs> well, I can't even say it once. Was born on February the 5th, 1908. What, was it? what does that mean, Colonel? February the 5th? She was oh, pregnant during the holidays. The big belly. Big yeah, old mother was Who really else has got the big belly, Timmy? That would be, well, not, we don't know if she has a big belly yet, but Elise from uh, Arkansas. Our lovely Elise. Lovely Elise is with child, and we're excited. We're hoping that she will name the child after one of us. Um, so we're really excited about that. I believe Charles Timothy would make a fine name for a boy. Uh, Timothy Charles would be even better. <laughs> so Elise, uh, please name, feel free to use our names um, yeah. to name. This is her first child. It so. is. We are excited. I think she's due in May, Brandy, right after our birthdays. I think the baby's due the 19th. Sweet. So that's going to be exciting. We'll keep you updated on uh, on uh, Elisa's progress. But anyway, <laughs> Melissa Lillian Peg Entwistle was born on February 5th, 1908 in Port Talbert, Wells. I know you make fun of how I say Wells. Uh, to English parents. No, it's Wheels. And you pronounce it Wales. I don't know if he's saying Wales, Wales. Is it Wales? Are we talking about Wales in uh, England? Colonel, uh, let's talk about maybe it's cold outside. Okay. Because <laughs> that's one of the rapiest songs. Uh, no, all right, all right. That was not. All right. So uh, her parents were English, Robert Sims and um, Emily Entwistle. Family and friends would make over Peg, the young girl's beautiful blonde hair and deep blue eyes. Oh. Her father worked as a comedic actor in London's West End. So she's got acting in her blood. 
Peg spent her early life in West Kingston, London. So probably over there near uh, Lady Beverly. Yeah. And Trixie's. Well, hell, London's only, Britain's only like as big as Ohio. It's, it's, yeah, it's smaller than the United States. You think? From a smaller... <laughs> Get the well, fuck I mean, out of here. Well, you're talking about Great Britain. I mean, you're talking about all Great Britain. They got they have a bigger empire than we do. Mo empire, mo prop. That's right. <laughs> From an early age. They don't have Donald Trump. From an early age. That's true. Japan's smaller than the United States. <laughs> yeah. Just throwing Uganda, it out there. Yeah. And they have the fuck-up television shows over in Japan. Do they do. That's <laughs> fucked-up stuff. From an early age. And uh, how come they pixelate all the Japanese naked pictures? Only the penises. Oh, is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, you can see everything, but they, they they don't want you to see the penis, and I'm okay with that. You know why? I bet Japanese men got tiny penises. Really? Well, maybe. But, you know, have you, I've never seen porn. Where, I mean, I can watch porn without the penis. You know, if they wanted to. Visit. I don't know that porn, a penis is even necessary for porn. Yeah. But you know, you know, I don't know. Let's go on. From an early age, <laughs> Peg's life was filled mm-hmm. with tragedy, unfortunately. Poor Peg. First of all, her name was Entwistle, so yeah. it got off to a rough start. And Millicent. Millicent Lillian Peg Entwistle. Lillian! Lillian! <laughs> Not Adrian. You can't Fucking use the Rocky. phone, Lillian. <laughs> Who's paying for that phone, Lillian? <laughs> What they did, it's Eddie and Eddie Murphy skit for those of you who are confused. Every year you come over here with your googly wife and burn my yard down, Gus. <laughs> <laughs> Lillian. She's a Bigfoot, Gus. <laughs> okay, people don't have no idea what we're talking about. Google it. Okay, it, uh, it often reported that Peg's mother died when uh, she was just a baby. There is some dispute over this, however. <laughs> What's so funny with that? Well, I mean, she's either dead or she's not. Well, researchers have found that they unearthed a last will and testament of uh, her father, Robert, that was dated uh, December 15, 1922, and in which he specifically stated that Millicent Lillian Peg Entwistle, his daughter, and his first wife, whom he divorced and had said custody of, was awarded to him, and he had no desire to see for his daughter at any time to be in custody or control of her mother. So there's indications that maybe she did not die, that she was alive, but they were they had some breakup or divorce, and uh, he did not want uh, Peg to end up. With so she was dead to him, apparently. So whether uh, her mother was dead or her parents divorced, it was clear that Peg's mother, Emily, was out of her life at an early age. Oh, I have to show some empathy here because neither of you are showing any fucking empathy at all. You're playing Candy Crush. He's still over there reading the lyrics to Baby, It's Cold Outside. Well, no, I'm just thinking Peg's going to grow up with mommy issues, which is going to cause, and she's got the blonde hair, deep blue eyes. She's going to grow up and be pretty and, and, and be a lesbian. No, she's going to have daddy issues. Too. We'll get into that. Oh, daddy issues and mommy issues. Whether, uh, so anyway, Robert Entwistle. <laughs> Sounds like Timmy's next wife. That's right. <laughs> and his daughter Peg immigrated to the United States via Liverpool 
on board the SS a steamship, Brandy, for you who don't know that. <laughs> Philadelphia. Okay. SS steamship. Thanks for clearing that up. You want to recap for me? Because I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, <laughs> okay. she's born. Uh, mom is either dead or out of, the, out of her life. <laughs> Born in England, they decide her dad decides to move via Liverpool. Via Liverpool, yeah. Really? Yeah. You're gonna correct me on pronunciation. Yes. That's what you're gonna do. That's that's you sitting over there. Where did they move? Do you think when they moved when they first got to the United States? The Bronx. I bet they moved to the Bronx by uh, Annette Petre. Mm -hmm. You're wrong. They moved to (laughs) they moved to Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, they probably lived on the west side. Yeah, they probably did. Because, probably. Uh, Robert had some family here. Yeah, from so, yes, west side. It's where the, the podcast originates from, for those of you who don't know. The west it, side? No, Cincinnati. Yes. Um, they settled with some uh, relatives there, and after a while, though, they decided to new, move to New York City. New York City? New York City, where uh, there were more opportunities for Robert and his acting career. Yeah. Uh, uh, Robert got a job selling fancy boxes at a Medicine Avenue shop while pursuing his acting career. Like fancy hat boxes? Or I, just I'm sure in it, it. You know, it, it didn't say. He also found uh, he found like some small acting roles. He also worked as a butcher uh, to make in meat in a butcher a shop. Baker. And a candlestick. No, uh, as a in a butcher shop. So I'm not sure if he was the butcher. Well, maybe he was just a guy out front, or maybe he just swept the floors. You think he was spinning the sign? <laughs> he was a man, but he was selling. We didn't know he sold fancy boxes. Thanksgiving one year, Timmy, this makes me think of this. We oh, went good. to a, we went to the butcher because we didn't. Oh, have good! It. I have two pages and I get, can't get. <laughs> it's it's frustrating, Brandy. That's what I'm saying. Oh, Is it? You, hold on, hold on, Mister the Mad Recapper. <laughs> I recap the story. The podcast is about. Not, okay. I'm not going to talk about my dog. My entire living room has been rearranged. Couches have been moved at my house to make a fucking fort for my child. Well, Can we get through this so I can go reclaim my house? Winter is coming. Winter is coming. <laughs> okay, you, you need okay. to pee in the corner before you leave. Okay, Colonel. Colonel, <laughs> tell, tell your stupid story so we can move on. Stupid story. It's just that we weren't having. A, it was just a family. And a couple other people for Halloween and or for Thanksgiving. Too. And Renee, instead of buying the whole turkey, was buying the breast. Just a big turkey breast. You can't, you've told this story. Okay. Have so, I? Yes. Where the, where she asked the butcher, Yes. is that breast big enough? And the uh, butcher looked at her and said, well, it looks fine to me. So, yeah, go ahead. So, you have mind. a pervy butcher, and we got to hear this story twice. Well, Renee, okay, go ahead. A pervy, ahead. pervy butcher. All right. That was quite the story there, Colonel. Sorry, I didn't mean to mess up your mojo there. Well, you got me all <laughs> out of whack here. <laughs> I'm sure it was funny the way you had intended it to say it. If you want to ruin the punchline. Right. So, they moved from Cincinnati to New York. He gets a job. Uh, it's different. Uh, but what jobs. kind of boxes are he He's some fancy boxes on well, Madison I mean, Avenue. What kind of fancy hat boxes? Uh, fancy cigar boxes? It just says fancy boxes. Well, I didn't see stupid. the fucking box. I just you know, read it. You should really do better research. Peg worshipped I mean, her father. This seems like kind of a critical thing. What kind of boxes <laughs> no, it, it was like a shoddy research. It's not critical at all. He just sold boxes. We, you know, I've dated women that sold boxes. I bet, you, <laughs> yeah. I bet you have. Not those kind of boxes. 
Peg worshipped her father and would spend every free moment with them. She would often visit him after school at the box store, where he sold fancy boxes, and accompany him when he auditioned for roles as his, in his acting career. Being a single parent, Robert knew his daughter needed a mother figure in his life. And you know this is not going to go well. No, it's not. Uh, Robert would marry again and have two sons, one named Robert and one named Milton. Peggy loved her half-brother. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, she was she's Milton and Millicent. They're yeah. bound and determined to not give these kids a chance mm-hmm. in life. Well, I mean, you know, names were different back then. So, Peg loved her half-brothers but had a strained relationship with her stepmother. Her stepmother, whose name was Mildred, mm. uh, was jealous of Peg and often tried to send her away to live with relatives. Damn. Well, him and his daughter had a close relationship because, you know, they had immigrated from England together, and she'd come to the store where he sold fancy boxes. I mean, it's a whole thing, whole daughter-father thing. <laughs> Robert would have uh, none of it, though. He insisted on keeping his family together. Peg was a bright student and did well in school, but her dream was to follow in her father's footsteps and become an actress. She attended auditions with her father at an early age, and when she was 12... Peg joined her father on one, such, uh, on one such audition for a play called The Merry Month of May. Robert was auditioning for the lead role, but he did not get it. However, as it turned out, no one showed up to try out for the role of schoolgirl. Peg was, uh, jumped at the chance and was hired at a salary of $1 a week. Man, she was a baller back then. She was. A dollar a week, yeah. Seven dollars a yeah. That's more than four, Chuck makes. Four dollars a month. Mm-hmm. It's more than what Chuck makes now. It yeah. is more than what I make. Fifty-two dollars a year. Daniel. Damn. Baller. Player. It was well, you know, they live in New York, so rent was probably sixty cents. Uh, yeah. It was a small off. Broadway production that played to very small crowds, but Peg didn't mind. She was finally in show, show business. The play closed after just one month, though, but now 12-year-old Peg had acting experience. Surely big things lay ahead for this stunning young actress. Her father was resistant to the idea because he did not want, he wanted Peg to focus on her studies. But he finally relented when Peg agreed to uh, not let her uh, uh, job acting interfere with her schoolwork, her pursuit of her career. Things were going well for young Peg. Her father was finding steady work, and she was now very excited to have a chance to pursue her dream. However, tragedy would soon strike in 1922 when Peg was just 14 years old. So on December 23rd, 1922, two days before Christmas, in case you didn't know. I was about the time of year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Peg's father, Robert Entwistle, died. Oh. He was the victim of a hit-and-run accident on Park Avenue and 72nd Street in New York City. Uh, the driver, Winston Ross, was arrested a few blocks away when he crashed into a light pole. Dumbass. Oh. So he was a drunken dr- dr- uh, drunk driver. I was getting to that, right. yes. Right. The driver, I'm going to need you to focus over there. Nothing. Um, you. Reek at me? Yes, focus. Uh, I'm trying to focus. Uh, he, the driver had been drinking heavily at a Christmas party and was not even aware he'd struck a pedestrian. There you go. 
Robert's body was transported to Cincinnati where he was buried in the family plot. Peg was devastated. Her father was the only loving parent she'd ever known. Not only that, he was her best friend. Uh, he, He encouraged her acting and became her mentor. Besides her half-brothers, Peg felt that her father was the only one who really, truly loved her. After their father's death, Peg's brothers went to live with their uncle Harold in Boston. Why? Why wouldn't they just stay with their mom? Please come to Boston. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Uh, Peg convinced her stepmother to allow her to stay in New York um, to pursue her acting career. Uh, the stepmother and Peg had never been on good terms, and basically Mildred just wanted Peg out of her life. She agreed that Peg could live with her friends, finally. Mildred would never provide any financial or emotional support for her teenage stepdaughter. So she's mother of the year. Yeah, yeah. she just kind of turned her loose and said, all right, dad's dead, move on, turn right. the page. Uh, Peg had lied to her stepmother about having friends who would put her up. Uh, at 15, Peg was homeless and essentially alone in the world. She would often sneak into one of the many Broadway theaters and sleep there at night. She eventually set up home in the basement of the Conroy Conroy Theater. She made sure to wake up early every day and leave the theater before anyone could notice. She continued to audition during the day and finally would find work as a seamstress to feed herself. Peg's uncle Harold learned of Peg's situation and went to New York to convince her to join her stepbrothers with him in Boston. Uh, to get her Please to... Please come no, to Boston. No, no. Oh. I never did like that song. Uh, all right. See, you fucked me up. Okay. Um, to to get her to agree to come... Because, you know, she wasn't very flexible. He'd say, come to Boston, come to Denver, mm-hmm. come to L.A. And she just said, no. Yeah. Boy, won't you come home to me. Yeah. She wasn't flexible. flexible no, she no. wasn't. She was. She was okay. a self-centered bitch. So I'm reading. So I'm reading this next sentence on the script, and I'm just gonna take from it that he agreed. He promised to help her with her acting career if she went ahead and moved. Yeah, to he was in. Uh, he was in. Um, he was a talent manager for actors. Harold, who was the manager of famed actor director Walter Hampton, you give the fuck away told everything. You. Told you. Can't give you maps or plans told to the Death Star you. or shit. Told you. Yeah, you did, because you wrote it. Oh. <laughs> um, so clearly he had many contacts in show business at that you time. Before. Peg, who by now was missing her brothers, agreed to move to Boston with her uncle Harold. True to his word, Harold helped Peg start in her acting career. By 1925, Peg was living in Boston as a student. Oh, hold on, hold on. Will you please put down the fucking phone? Me? Yes. Are you ki- Are you fucking kidding me? I don't have. She a phone. holds a goddamn phone the whole time. <laughs> but My do I not participate? My a text about a Christmas present, She's... and I got to answer. Oh, you motherfucker! <laughs> There's disparate treatment in, amongst this group, Bring and I'm it telling up with you, HR. Bring it up with HR. <laughs> Continue, Brandy. Thank you, Chris. Well, okay. So, again, by 1925, Peg was living in Boston as a student of the Henry Jewett. It was a theater. Repertory? Yeah. Repertoire. No, repertory. Repertory. That's what it says. Whatever. It was a school. Now called the Huntington Theater. And was what? He's on the phone again. Can I just get off the phone? All I want to do is hit sin. And was now one of the Henry Jewett players. Oh. Who would, they were gaining national attention. 
After I, making, I, I, I know you got nothing to oh, say. Yeah, oh yeah, I've got a They're poster got album. Do you have a poster? <laughs> yeah, I got that first album. After making her stage <laughs> debut, <laughs> after badass, making her players. stage debut at the age of seventeen. Oh, you know they got pussy. If you were the, <laughs> if you were at the Henry Jewett Players, you know you, you got know the, you was getting. Oh yeah, you, you get was, all the ta- poo tang you could. He was tapping everything. You need two dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two dicks. <laughs> I got two decks sitting right here. <laughs> two decks are that. It's frustrating, isn't it, Tim? There's one. <laughs> all right. Please can fucking wish. Please continue, uh, Brandy. Uh, okay, so. Uh, Tim, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> so to so, recap. Yeah, no. So she she's made her stage debut at the age of 17 with this Boston repertory company. Peg was soon working on Broadway in the prestigious Theater Guild Productions. Wow. Walter Hampton gave Peg an uncredited walk-on part in his Broadway production of Hamlet, which starred Ethel Barrymore. Ethel was pretty famous. Yeah, she carried the king's train and brought up, brought in the poison cup. Now is Ethel Ethel Drew's grandmother? Mm -hmm. I don't know the relation of the Barrymores, but. All the Barry, John Barrymore. I, no, I believe Ethel Barry, was Barry, the Barry, aunt, Barrymore. her great-great-aunt or something. What about Barry Barrymore? You don't fucking know. Neither it, do you F- Barry look Barrymore. Look it up right now, but I know it's, she's related. There's also Perry Barrymore. Mm-hmm. And Jerry. <laughs> yeah, and Barry. Well, we got, yeah, we Barry got Barry. Barrymore. We got Barry. Uh, it was a small role, uh, but Preg. Well, that was an important role. She brought Preg. on the poison. Preg. She, she brought on the poison. That was a She did. That's well, yeah. it's a major fucking deal right there. Yeah. I was a small role, but it was Peg's Broadway career that had begun. Ironically, her Broadway debut occurred if at the Conroy Theater, the same theater she'd found a couple of years earlier when she was homeless. Later wow. in 1925, Peg got her first leading role, playing the role of Hedvig in the popular play The Wild Duck. Oh, that, the wild duck, that's a good one. You oh, see yeah, that it's one? in my queue. Yeah. Okay. After seeing the play. I think it won, to, won a bunch of Tonys, didn't it? The I wild duck? I don't know. After seeing the play, a 17-year-old Betty Davis told her mother, I want to be exactly like Peg and Twistle. Oh, so Betty Did Davis? she? Yeah. Did she really? Yes. How Did do she? you know that? She w- In her biography, she mentions Peg and Twistle. As she looked right at her with those Betty Davis. And she got Betty Davis no. eyes. This is before <laughs> Sweet Sweet Charlotte yeah. or whatever that name that movie was. Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte? Yeah, Sweet Ooh. Ass. I thought it was Sweet Ass Sweet Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking of the porn. Chop. But, <laughs> but anyway... Yeah, yeah, she said in her biography that Peg Inswistle was a big uh, inspiration for her. Did you read Betty Davis's biography? No, but in the research is where I found it. Uh Several years later, Betty Davis uh, was offered a role to play Hedvig, but turned it down saying, I could never play Hedvig. That role will always belong to the great Peg Entwistle. Okay, so she impressed a, you know, a, a, an Academy Award well, winner. Betty Davis was 17 at the time. It's pretty, you know. Yeah, but, but Peg wasn't She was a badass. Older. Peg wasn't much older at that point. Yeah. Uh, the Lithe Blonde worked steadily on Broadway. Lithe? Lith, Lithe. 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 That's slender. I said it. Slender. I know what the fuck it means. <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, you didn't I said it correctly. I not know how to say the, it. I don't know. 
being I new. I said right? it correctly. She needs to work on her pronunciation. <laughs> she does. Yeah. yeah. You, Listen, you Appalachian Hill Jack. Have you been to a finishing deer, school, devil? A female deer. <laughs> Follow a long way to run. <laughs> Me. Saying it. The devil did you go to finish in school? We need to get up some of those signs, you know, like <laughs> yeah. 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 Though a deer, a female deer. Well, <laughs> Come on. Me and me. I call myself. <laughs> I don't know the rest. <laughs> Continue, Brandon. Are you fucking ignorant <laughs> shits, Don? Just trying to help you out. Jesus Christ. Well, you just seem stuck on the word life. I did. I said life. I said it out loud. Okay, she was a thin blonde. Yes. She was a thin blonde. Yeah. Like he'd have pulled off life. I'll try try to keep the big words out of of your parts. (laughs) You know, those with two syllables. (laughs) Try to just say thin. But that would have been okay for All right, you, the bitch worked on Broadway <laughs> for the following five young, years. Young peg. You can shut the fuck up or you can let me finish this. You have to go home too, and it's colder than a witch's titty outside. Why are you oh, making why are you You're the making one that's judgments. gotta wait for the goddamn no, bus. I, you know what? I don't have much money on me today. Yeah, only three hundred. No, no, no. Count that oh. What's it that what the hell, Timmy? What'd you do this weekend? Well What did I you met do a woman. this weekend? <laughs> Hold here's, on. Here's the funny part. That's <laughs> always Timmy she got was plastic. 20, <laughs> 35. Timmy got $37. Hold the fuck on. Hold the goddamn phone for I, one second. I, she was a damsel in distress. I bet she was. She's no longer in distress. No. I, however, am in distress. Gee, you're a baller. Well, he got his allowance. Uh, well, you got 80 bucks there? I got $82. I got more money than Timmy got on him. Yeah, Man. enjoy it. Uh, for today. You, yeah, you won't for long. All right. Again, so the little, you know, she, she got steady work on Broadway for about the next five years, including a star turn in the, 19, in the 1927 Tommy, a happy ending comedy about the love aspirations of a young man without means. Was this when they still was doing silent plays? Uh, so this wasn't yes, like silent t- plays. This wasn't pinball wizard. It was mime. <laughs> it was mime. Was she was a uh, pinball Feel wizard? Me. It was. No, it was not a pinball wizard. Touch me. No shit. 1927, the Who weren't around. <laughs> That's fucking shocking. What in Twister like, was? I like in the minute front. Yeah, I like that song. I like that one. You know, love, rain o' me, rain o' me, love. Who do you think it went in a fight rain between Roger? Who do you think it went in a fight between Roger Daltrey and Bruce Springsteen? Bruce. Who do you think would win a fight if I whooped your ass? <laughs> Obviously, you would. If you, I think it, if it was Bruce and Jesus, Bruce would win. If it was Bruce and Mike Dicker, Bruce would win. Great, Bruce and Mike Ditka. That's fucking perfect. All right, so the play enjoyed a six-month Jesus run. Jesus be fucking smiting you, man. <laughs> yeah, he would do some turn you into salt and shit like yeah. that. Man, you don't play. You, you don't gotta play. come back. Yeah, you'll come back from that once you turn you into salt. <laughs> no. You're on curly fries, <laughs> <laughs> and you're bad for people as have blood pressure. <laughs> I know. You gonna continue? Can you hear me what? rolling my eyes? <laughs> All right. Um, please continue, Brandy. This is. Really interesting.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. If you could get the word right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, young, <laughs> leave, wait a minute. I did get the word right. <laughs> young, thin, peg, and I'm whistle. past that. Shut right. the fuck up. Right, I am so past she's, it. She's in a starring role in Tommy, but not the who. Not the who, yeah. but yeah. Right. So, the play enjoyed a six-month run, despite the show's bad reviews. Um, critics found the play sappy, but they loved and praised Peg's performance. As her career started to blossom in the mid-1920s, Peg would soon find love. Oh, good. In her early 1927, Peg met a charming actor, actor named Robert Keith. Now, hold on. What? What? She's 19. How old is she by then? I don't know. Well, she was born in... 1908. Yeah, she was born in 1908. What? So 19. 27. She's 19 years old. Yeah. So now it's okay to ask what kind of knockers she had. I'm going to look okay. her up. All right. So she met a charming actor named Robert Keith, who was 10 years her senior. Perhaps she was missing having a father figure in her life. Her dad was. Her dad's name was Robert. Timmy's so. known many of those, or just long for a family of I, her there's own. There's nothing wrong wait with a, a woman with Here, wait, daddy issues. I, I, I just, welcome her. Hold on. Or, let's see, where's... Yeah, I can't hear you in the mic. No, okay. She longed for a family. Hold on. You weren't looking when I went over here. Uh, Just read the script. Really? Okay. All right, I'll read it. Read it. Perhaps she missed having a father figure in her life or just longed for a family of her own. In any case... Of her own. That's not what it says in the script. (laughs) I'm reading the fucking script. Well, that's a typo. Oh, uh uh-huh, sure it was, or, you know, your lack of English knowledge. In any case, (laughs) Peg and Robert Keith were married on April 1st, 1927. Could you put your goddamn phone down, Timmy? I'm looking at her page. I'm sorry. Uh, They were married in the chapel of the New York City clerk's office. They'd been dating for two months. The marriage started off well. Uh, although Robert was known as a bit of a ladies man, we had no wang. He always had female fans writing him letters and vying for his attention. Right. Although jealous, Peg tried to ignore the the obvious that her husband was 
soon cheating on her. See, and, and that's something that people don't understand. And Mrs. Colonel's very good about this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every day she pick up the mail and there's letters addressed to the colonel from women. She's hoping that some Sometimes of them takes you. Sometimes there's boxes with little envelopes with, with, with undergarments and whatnot right, in right. it. Those are big boxes. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, sometimes big boxes. They gotta be delivered by. <laughs> so, are you saying you want you you're you're encouraging the women, our female listeners to send you panties? No, I'm just saying you know, like this man, he, he had a certain uh, amount of fame, and cachet, mm-hmm. and the colonel suffered from the same thing. No, you don't. So you and, can uh, relate. You can relate to him. As no. I can relate to him, and and it. It doesn't mean that he was out doing something. It just means, you know, that he had some adoring lady fans. That's all. He was a lady man. He was a lady man. Although no Robert's indiscretions were hard for Peg to deal with, she threw herself into her work to avoid confronting her marital problems. Despite living in denial, the marriage would not last. Peg soon discovered that Robert Keith had been married twice before and had a six-year-old son whom he neglected to mention. Oh, feeling yeah he could fuck anybody he wants but god damn it you've been married twice and you have a kid that's a deal breaker so you don't yeah, like so kids she was feeling misled what you hate kids now i mean the guy yes got, the guy got a kid and you just rejected him offhand maybe the kid maybe it was a sweet little kid you know who the kid was um it was Bla- the guy that played blake no it was or brian Brian beretta King. Were the guy who played uh, no, Family wasn't Affair. Beretta? Hmm? Robert Blake? Mm-hmm. No, was not Robert Blake. You fucking tool. No, oh. it was Brian Keats who played on Family Affair. <laughs> was it? No. no. So Peg files. Are you for telling? Divorce. Is this for real? Yes, for real. Brian if you Keith, read the script, you wouldn't know. The guy that. who shot himself. Yes. Had a lung cancer. And, and, and played in uh, with Buffy. We did a <clears> podcast <throat> on Buffy. Uh, Anissa, Anissa Jones. If I would have read the script, where in the fucking script is that? He probably kept it out. Brandy's gonna get to it. But, yeah. So, oh, okay. revealing her true inner character, Peg, in the process of divorcing Robert, helped him stay out of jail by paying the back alimony he owed his ex-wife. So, he's a broke ladies' Dumbass. man. Yeah. The ladies' man. Robert mm-hmm. Keith's son, Brian, whom he was neglecting, would grow up to have a distinguished acting career and would later become known as Uncle Bill in the 1960s popular TV show, Family Affair. You know, Brian six Keith. degrees of separation between from Buffy and everyone else. Mm-hmm. I, we remember we did the podcast on Buffy. Suicide. Right? Yeah. Suicide. And now all of a sudden, Brian Keith, who's a suicide too. And his daughter. He, his his daughter, daughter committed suicide. This suicide ran crazy Daisy. through the family. Yeah. Continue. 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 Yeah, but it was, she was married. Continue, devil. Brian Keith would later commit suicide by a self-inflicted gunshot wound, as would his daughter, Daisy Keith, the granddaughter of Robert Keith. Despite her failed marriage, Peg's career was now starting to take off. Yeah, I just want to say this is a, one, another story in our suicide series. That we oh, did. good. One of those uplifting series oh, that okay. you decide on your own that we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Because Christmas time is always a good time I'm for suicide I'm looking to do a, a riot series in 2017. Oh, oh that yeah. sounds yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a riot. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's a myth that people commit suicide more at Christmas. I know. They do it in the spring. In the springtime. Mm-hmm. I, we've talked about that before. Yeah, it's and on uh, on other episodes of our suicide series, mm-hmm. it's a myth. Yeah. Done, ladies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> in 1928, Peg went on tour with the Theater Guild between Broadway productions, changing characters every week. Peg's performance garner, garnered publicity at Gardner? every step. This yeah. is not a battle you want to start. <laughs> Continue, Brandy. Theater critics at the New York Times, Chicago Tribune, the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Well. Yeah. 
the Columbus Dispatch, and the Oakland Tribune all p- praised Peg's performances. Okay, so she's getting some pub. <laughs> That's, what caught. That's what we caught in the business. Pub? Yeah. I see. She's getting some pub? Yeah. Peg, Peg Entwistle was making quite the name for herself natu- nationally. Peg continued to find stage some work. ink. <laughs> Peg continued to find stage work in productions featuring stars as such stars as Dorothy Gish, mm, Dorothy Gish. and Ooh. Laura Taylor. Ooh, Laura yeah, Taylor. Yeah, you're talking about threesome. Yeah, that's a good threesome right Gish there. Gish and Taylor. I like wow. to see them all oiled up, wrestling mm-hmm. around in a kid's room. Sweat the sweat band on their head. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Let's get physical, physical. I yeah. want to get, continue, Brandon. Yeah. You know, I don't know if uh, Liv Newton-John can pull that off now. Oh, she could. I don't know, man. She's 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 getting up there. She must be about eighty now. I don't <laughs> think she is. <laughs> she's not. No, she's, she's not. She's probably about sixty. I mean, she's oh, too well, old she's for at you. She's sixty. She's okay. Okay. She's a so, man by now. By now. Well, she's got probably six inches of penis on her, but. So she beats you out. <laughs> <laughs> More uh, of a man than you are. <laughs> by now, though not. By now. Let's focus on Peg. All was not well with Peg. Robert's betrayal and subsequent divorce was taking its toll on her emotionally. In the late 1920s, Peg started battling the demons of depression. Oh, no. She started drinking more and more after her divorce from Robert. When not working, she would seldom leave her rented room in the Manhattan Y... What's the W-Y-C-A? W-Y-C-A. Oh, oh, Okay. That's so down in Australia, see, though. They got it backwards. Minute. I'm starting to see parallels here <laughs> between. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia Newton John's 68 years old. Yeah, that's what I mean. She's up there. I still do it. I would. W. I would. Do you stay at the WYCA? <laughs> You're telling me you go down on a 68 year old woman? I wouldn't go down on a woman. That's just. That's not Colonel like. You don't go down? Huh? This is not. Can we talk about Well, Peg? it depends. I mean, first you got to. Oh, well, now she wants to talk no. about Peg. After the third date, Timmy, because the first two, you got to make sure it ain't going to be stale. Right. Because you do not want to get your head down by some stale stuff. Would you ask your date to shower before? Like, well, I think it's relations? implied. You know what? I think I'm it's done. implied. I'm done with this <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on, Brandy. We got to get through Peg. Come on. We got to hurry Do up. we? Is that your concern If you now? stay on focus here. Yeah. Is that your fucking concern? <laughs> we're just doing filler here. Just yeah. wait for you. We're to trying to get you to move the story along. You, your pace seems off. We're trying yeah. to help you. It's like when you're playing basketball and one of your teammates just ain't hitting shots. We're trying to hit some shots for you here. Yeah, we're trying gonna, to get a good I'm going to hit some shots. How about you just dribble down the court and pass us the ball? Dribble. Okay? Dribble. Yeah, dribble. So you're, we're still at the Manhattan WYCA. We've been she stuck started, there forever. Well, because <laughs> so so it's a made-up place. She started, yeah, because yeah, okay. I said that two yeah. sentences ago, yeah. which was an hour and a half, so probably right. people forgot. She started to decline offers from her acting friends to go out after shows. She became distant to family and friends. Often it was all she could do to muster the energy to attend rehearsals. And although Peg was finding success on stage, there was a new medium she wanted to conquer, and it was the movies. Despite her success on Broadway, parts were becoming harder to come by in the late 1920s. With the stock market crash of 1929, millions of people were out of work, which meant fewer people were attending the theater. 
Brandy, during that, that period, we had what was called the Great Depression. And it meant that the econ- people were out of jobs. Many, many, the many economy people, was, was like really 20, bad. 25% unemployment during that period. Mm-hmm. Stock market crash. Yeah. Well, the stock market is where companies yeah, have... Yeah, yeah that's yeah. going to take too long. Yeah. Um, just Let's just say the economy was yeah, bad. Yeah, it was bad. All right, continue, Brandy. Come on, we so gotta go ahead this, and continue. We gotta move along. Put that stapler yeah. down. <laughs> uh, like Peg's no. now struggling financially right. and emotionally. I just struggle emotionally right now. <laughs> Peg moved out of her high-priced apartment on Manhattan's Upper West Side and joined two other actresses renting a small apartment in Hell's Kitchen, which is where I'm at currently. <laughs> Peg went back to taking part-time work as it seems just to make ends meet. There were days when she would just not eat at all. To make matters worse, Peg was. To make matters worse, Peg's was struggling daily to <laughs> battle her depression. She self-medicated with alcohol, even though it was illegal at the time. Oh, A male friend really introduced her to opium, and Ooh, soon she yeah. was hooked. Opium uh, will clear you up. Thank the monkey Jesus. On so I'm done. You're done. Sure, I evidently fucking took you long enough. You only hit a monkey on the back, Colonel. Just read the script as written. Yeah, let's try to that. (laughs) Try to stay focused. Now, Peg's depression seemed much more worse than in the wintertime. Much worser? Much more worser in the wintertime, which seemed to indicate that she suffered from what is now called seasonal affective disorder. Yeah, I kind of just self diagnosed her with that because (laughs) I kind of have that. Well,. I think most people with depression, this is kind of a, a thing. Most people with depression do get worse in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. But after being out of work for nearly and a you year. you definitely are colder. Oh, uh, you're a cold, yeah. depressed, yeah. dog-walking yeah. some bitch. Yeah. But, but anyway, in early 1932, Pe- Peg landed a role in a play called Alice Sit by the Fire. So at least she wouldn't be cold. Right. Uh, it would be her last Broadway appearance, Timmy. However, Peg's elation of finding full-time work to, was... Hit. Elation means happiness. <laughs> Let me read this as it's stated. Okay. However, Peg elation of finding full-time Peg's work elation. to be short-lived. Just <laughs> so. read the fucking script. I am. When you write them, then you can critique them. Until then, just read I'm not the fucking script. I'm not critiquing You're a talking you know fucking head. You know what? Both Here's of you are talking heads. You just read what I put in front you of you. You know what? Here's don't the you, problem. Don't, Here's the problem. Don't think. That's the problem. You think. Here's the problem. You give us, uh, quite frankly, subpar scripts <laughs> that are barely written in English and then get irritated at us when we struggle when to we pronounce start, words well, when that we're are try, made up. We're trying to make a coherent thought yeah. out of an incoherent sentence. You are that. talking heads. You don't. You have no talent. Just read. It's all, it's all hurtful. Okay. Don't we now, have a union? Let me read this as it's stated. No, no, Please do. read it. Let's we get through this. However, peg elation of finding full-time work to be short-lived. Okay. See? So she was happy for a moment. Oh, it's all well and good for you motherfuckers to make Did fun you, of me. He's going to translate now. Yeah. You all make fun of me because I pronounced a word properly. But All right, so she's happy for a bit, then, uh, but it wasn't enough. But Tappy yeah. Tap over here can barely make out a <laughs> sentence. Again, talking fucking heads. You're not talent. I'm the one who writes the motherfucking script. I'm the one who does the research. All I'm doing is put it in front of you and you talk. That's all you have to do. 
You make it no difficult. talent, <laughs> no talent whatsoever. First of all, I can have you two sound like he talking like Donald Trump. No talent. I can bring in two fucking talking wrong. <laughs> I can bring in two talking monkeys. Wrong. All right, all right. You brought in back, two, you brought back. in two talking monkeys. First of all, you'd have a lot more listeners. Second of all, you got that, that would be right. that would be all right. One uh, goddamn. There'll be fancy monkeys. Oh, invest, invest in Fez, in Fez Eye. Yeah, is that the pearl of Fezes? I wish I could hire one set of Siamese twins because they could replace both of you. And you know, Siamese twins—they can't get no fucking work. They're happy. They'll take anything. They get circus work. Circus work. Yeah. So do monkeys. Especially they're they're fancy monkeys. I think they're going to get treated better at the freak show than you treat people. man. Okay, Colonel. Back to Peg and Twistle. I'm trying to get there if you get off your rant. He can't. In new play, Peg played along her co-star, a famous actress named Lawrence Taylor who would later go on to be a middle linebacker for the New no, York Giants. No, no, no. Read the fucking script. Do not add anything. Don't ad lib, you a dick. A famous actress named Laurette Taylor. Taylor was at the end of her career, and her alcoholism led to several missed evening performances and refunds the, refunds the ticket holders. Yeah, so she kind of fucked up her gig. The show was canceled after two months, and in the aftermath, Peg and the others were given only a week's salary rather than a percentage of the box office gross which had been agreed upon. Once again, unemployed and desperate, Peg decided it was time to make a change. Peg felt that if perhaps she could make it in the movies, everything would be okay. She Haven't was, you said that to yourself once or twice, Colonel? If you could make it, only make it in the movies. If I could just make it there, I could make it anywhere, yeah. Timmy. So You should have went into porn, Colonel. I, well, as I put on you the You could have been a fluffer. I have done. <laughs> I think he does that now. That's why he still has a job. I have done, I have done some uh, low-grade. I, I have been credited as the pizza man in uh, a number of I see. Uh, pizza man number one. I played the plumber one time. Uh-huh. In yeah. snuff films. <laughs> yeah. Because they jumped out the I'd window. I'd pay to see him in a snuff film. <laughs> huh? I'd pay to see him in a snuff film. God. So anyway, now she, uh, she well, where are we at? What, okay, but, Peg but, ain't but, got but, no job. Yeah. She ain't got no money. She ain't got no job. <laughs> she, she ain't got, got no, shit to she do. Got shit. I don't even think she's looking for no job. <laughs> yeah. I see her down every day leaning against the post. Oh, yeah. Tell me you have my rent money by Friday. <laughs> She'd be lucky to get a front row. She won't get the front row. She'd be lucky to get a back row. I don't think she'd look for no job. So Peg believed. I see her hanging out every day, standing on the corner, leaning against the post. <laughs> but I'm na, tired. Na, 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 na. But I'm tired. <laughs> the fuck? Well, anyway, she was tired of the long gray winters in New York. She was tired. Yeah. Peg saw greener pastures. In Los Angeles, California. Which is ironic because Los Angeles is a city and you don't think there's many pastures there. No, no. Now, as it turns out, Peg's Uncle Harold had, Harold had moved to Hollywood a few years before and had some connections in the budding movie industry. In May 1932, at the height of the Great Depression, and with a $3.48 and a bus ticket, Peg left New York for sunny California. Timmy's life. Mm -hmm. You know Peg was 
giving some hummus to the or no, to the. No, she just had a little. Uh, she had three dollars to eat on. What the hell? How? Well, she, it, was, it was the depression. From New York to California. She had it? a bologna or a mustard sandwich. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I believe. I believe she had some filet wandong. Continue, Colonel. She had She had some salami there. As it turns out, Peg's Uncle Harold had moved to Hollywood a few years before. Had no connections. shit, Timmy. Yeah. Thanks for the recap. <laughs> <Okay. Well. laughs> I heard that somewhere before. <laughs> you two can suck it. He's <laughs> really not professional, Brandy. Peg's uncle yeah. offered to put her up for a while while she looked for work. They made sure she was fed and had a roof over her head. Harold and Twistle lived on Beechwood Drive at the bottom of the Hollywood Hills Canyon that meandered up to Mount Lee, the home of the Hollywood Woodland sign. It wasn't long before Peg landed a role in the Romney Brent play Mad Hopes, starring Billy Burke, which ran from May 23rd to June 4th at the Velasco Theater in downtown Los Angeles. Although the play was short-lived, it did wonders for Peg's emotion, at least for a short while. Okay. I, I can sense some foreboding. I second that emotion. The play and its star Billy Burke received harsh reviews, but Peg and her young co-star stole the show with one critic writing, In the cast, Peg Entwistle and Humphrey Bogart. Oh, Bogie was with her. Hold first place in their supporting roles. They both give fine, serious performances, and Peg has an outstanding set of knockers. No, he did not say that. <laughs> well, that would have been inappropriate at the time. Well, that's why they gave it a good review. No. So she's working with Humphrey Bogart, although he's <clears throat> just starting in the business. Yeah, and and he's, he's doing the show, and he's like, hey, he's looking at you, kid. Yeah, but you know, Brandy would not get that reference because she's never fucking seen Casablanca. Yeah, I have not. What's, what's wrong with you? That is really sick. You of really all the need, gin, plate, gin joints need, in all the world. You really need to. Will you watch that this weekend? No. Come on, Brandy. I mean, people are going to laugh at you for not knowing. Not I don't care. People see. mock you openly. Yeah, openly. Yeah. I don't care. I will not. I don't know how you could not watch it. You know, First of all, this the weekend is ever, Christmas, and I'm not watching it. It's the best movie ever made. It's almost like saying I've never done the Pledge of Allegiance. It's when you say like, it's that un-American. Yeah, it's almost like saying you never had my dick socked. Yeah, not like that I, at all. I, I think she could probably say, well, I don't know. She's 40, what, are you 42 Play now? softball. Play softball, yeah. You know what? No, no, I mean, I mean, I will never watch that movie just because you two cocksuckers no, want me to watch it. No, it's the best movie ever made. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's mm-hmm. not. How can you say it? You've never seen it. Round because. up the usual suspects. Yeah, uh, the so, usual suspects is a good Louis, movie. Louis, this is the beginning of a beautiful, beautiful friendship. friendship. I know, I know, I know all about it. I know all the big lines. I just don't give a fuck. Play it again, Sam. Yeah. All right, he said, play it, but go ahead. Peg was. That's ple- a miss. No, no that's true. Play it, Sam. Mm-hmm. You have to explain to him what Miss Nomer means. Peg was pleased. It's like a Nomer, only it's not. <laughs> only it's a girl. <laughs> it's a Nomer that came right past you and around you. It's a female Nomer that's not married. <laughs> Peg was pleased with the reviews, but still wanted to make the transition to film. Okay. She would soon get her only opportunity. Okay. After the Mad Hopes closed, Entwistle found her first and only credited role for Radio Pictures. Later, RKO. Thirteen. Yeah, well, that's a pretty big production. Yeah, 13 women starring Myrna Loy and Irene Dunn in a high-budget thriller produced by David Selznick. Uh, Selznick was and drawn guy. from the novel you know, by Tiffany Thayer. He got the 
you know, he got the poutine. Oh, he was, guy, he was covered in poutine. He was, he, he was had to go to the car wash guy. and get the poutine hosed <laughs> off of him. Yeah, he had that poutine all over him. Really? Now, Peg played a small supporting I bet your role proud of you. as Hazel Cousins. She's not. She's really not. <laughs> <laughs> Due to the delays in production, Peg would never get to see herself on the silver screen. I kind of understand the, that delay in production part. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's 2.30, yeah. Although she was finding small roles and making ends meet, she found that she could not run out. Uh, she could not outrun her demons even in sunny California. Uh-huh. Her career was once again at a standstill. She did lots of auditions, hung around her uncle's place, waiting for work and trying to save enough money to get her own place. Her aunt and uncle noticed her crazy mood swings. They tried to get her to seek medical help. Her uncle offered to pay for all medical costs, but not wanting to be a greater financial burden, Peg refused, Timmy. Uh-huh. I think the uncle's up to something shady here. Who offers all uh, this he's stuff? trying to get her some help. She spent more and more time alone in a small bedroom. Often they would hear moans and groans no, in the no, bed rattling. No, do not ad lib. Well, not the, what do you that. think she was doing in there all you're the time, Timmy? She was in the small bedroom. She's you're depressed. not good at that. She's <laughs> depressed. Hmm? She's depressed. Continue, Colonel. What depressed people service themselves too? Continue, Colonel. Because nobody would, else will. And she would draw the drapes so that the warm southern sun depressed. could not pierce into her world. Peg was lonely in California, see, Timmy. See, Colonel, when I'm writing, I paint a picture. <laughs> yeah, do paint a picture. You fucking Picasso, you. <laughs> Peg fucking was, skewed. <laughs> yeah, skewed picture. picture. Yeah, some of them look like abstract art. But <laughs> some <laughs> Continue, Colonel. But that was the Mona Lisa right there, Timmy. Thank you. Despite being Next. young and beautiful, she had no love life. I other. have a catchy turn of phrase. <laughs> You do. So despite being young and beautiful, she had no love life but her left hand. She looked like, uh, don't you agree, Colonel? She looked like Carly. I mean, Carla from our... Carla Nelson. Yeah, Yeah, she looks a lot like Carla Carla Nelson. Carla White. Wow. She does. She does. Well, she might, but after all the shit that you've been saying about this poor girl... We're not one making fun of her name like you are. Although her drinking and drugging were now under control, a condition for living under her uncle's roof, she was battling the depression, Timmy. Mm. She was unable to eat or sleep on most days. Often she would get as little as 10 hours of sleep in an entire week. Depression will do that. It is funny what depression will do to you. It'll make you lay in bed, not do anything, but you never sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, With the lack of sleep and living with constant anxiety, her appearance started to suffer. She would go days without bathing or dressing up. Now, you know she was getting stale down there, Timmy. Now, we don't know that, Colonel. No, she goes days without she bathing. She was t- getting she stale. She probably baking soda down there. She really? had to put more than baking soda down there. She'd have That's to what put, they used in the press. <clears throat> they used that for everything. They ate baking soda. They mm-hmm. bathed in it. And they, you know, they ran their car on it. You know, yeah, but you can't it. just go five, three, four days without a shower and shove some baking soda down there, Timmy. <laughs> It's going to get all clumped up and be nasty. Well, she wasn't dating anyone. It was all right. Well, that's true. But at some point, even your, even your hand going to say, no, I draw the line at that. So anyway, with the lack of Yours sleep. Yours hasn't. <laughs> my, my hand not proud. Um, <laughs> Peg, who wants to easy. Yeah. <laughs> my hand's easy, yeah. But not cheap. My left hand, now, it got it, it's a little, it plays hard to get sometimes. 
Now, Peg, who once prided herself on her appearance, was now looking despondent and haggard. Aww. Her aunt and uncle became extremely worried, and they reached out to a family friend who also happened to be a psychiatrist, Dr. William Michaels. Just happened to be. <laughs> they invited Michaels there to home for Sunday supper, hoping he could befriend Peg and help her. They would never get the chance to meet. On September 17, 1932, Peg fell off the wagon and got very drunk. She felt that she had let her aunt and uncle, who showed her such kindness, down. Although he was up, although she, although he was written. upset, her uncle Harold did not push the matter. He could tell Peg was hurting. The next day, on September 18, 1932, Peg said to Uncle Harold she was going to walk up to the Beachwood Drive to meet some friends at the local drugstore. Uncle Harold said, why don't you take a bath? You look like nine <laughs> miles of bad road, no, you ugly hoe. No, did not say that. But instead, Peg would scratch and claw her way up the rocky slope of Mount Lee to the base of the Hollywood sign, Timmy. Yes, not looking good. Not looking good. She scratched and clawed her way. She couldn't scratch and claw her way to the top of the movies, but she could scratch like a motherfucker to get to the top of that hill. Yes. I think this scene was in Transformers. Once there, she removed her black and tan silk coat, folded it neatly, and placed it alongside She's her stylish purse. She's fucking seen Transformers, but she hasn't watched Casablanca. Yeah, what the fuck's wrong with you, you cultureless heathen? <laughs> Jesus Christ, you make me ashamed to even know you. I don't think that. That's not what's going to do it. <laughs> me not seeing Casablanca is not what's going to do that. Back to Peg and Twistle. So Peg's up on this. Uh, she climbs a ladder. She folds up a coat and uh, leaves a purse, mm -hmm. which contained a suicide note. Okay. The despondent actress would then once again climb up the ladder, losing one of her shoes there along the a, way. Uh, there was, was a lot a, of ladders. No, there was a, a ladder for the light guy. It was a yeah, for each, for each letter. Uh -huh. um, and after peering out over the twinkling lights of the city that represented her hopes and dreams, she performed a perfect swan dive into the ground, Timmy. What did the judges give her? Oh, uh, the Russian judge only that. gave her 8.9. That's, that's not, bullshit. That's not right. <clears throat> Peg was more yeah. than likely killed instantly. She was only 24 years old. The next morning, an anonymous woman called the Central L.A. Police Station and said, I was hiking near the Hollywood sign today, and near the bottom I found a woman's shoe and jacket. A little further on, I noticed a purse. And it was a suicide note. I she looked, put two and two together, I bet. I looked down the mountain and saw a body. Now, I don't want any publicity in this matter, so I wrapped up the jacket, shoes, and purse in a bundle and laid them on the steps of the Hollywood police station. <clears throat> she then hung up. A few hours after receiving the call, police found Peg's mangled body some 100 feet down the side of the ravine, Timmy. Aww. Mm-hmm. She was. She ain't nothing but a bunch of ground-up hamburger no, by then. No, don't say that. That's, that's just, well, animals probably got to her. Yeah. Yeah, probably did. Yeah, or that guy that's wanting to sing the song over here. Baby, it's cold outside. I get to the story. What happened? So, <laughs> she said they found a note, and it said, "I'm afraid I am a coward. I'm sorry for everything. If I had done this a long time ago, it would saved a lot of pain." P.E. Now, with no identification on the body, the police sought the media's help in identifying the young suicide's victim. The cause of death was listed as, by the coroner, as Smushed. 
multiple fractures of the pelvis. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I've I've had you got to be careful sometimes when you get carried away because you can break somebody's I mean, pelvis. What did we say? How tall that was? The signs the were forty-five, 45 feet. feet. Yeah. <clears throat> The LA, L.A. Times published the suicide letter the next day. Peg's uncle Harold recognized the initials and went to the morgue to identify her body. And on September 22nd, just four days after she took her life, a letter arrived in the mail from the Beverly Hills Playhouse offering her the lead role in a play about a woman driven to suicide. Oh, how ironic that she would get In October 32, a few it's weeks Atlanta's after her sad, death, ironic. 13 Women was released by RKO Product Pictures. This is the movie that she was in. It achieved neither critical nor commercial success, and by the time it was released, 14 minutes had been cut from the film's original 73-minute running length, including Peg and Twistle's only scene. Uh, she didn't even make the movie. Now, her funeral was held at the Strother Mortuary on Hollywood Boulevard across from the Pantages Theater. After Peg was cremated at Hollywood Memorial Park, her remains were shipped to Ohio for burial at the Ohio's Oak Hill Cemetery, Glendale, Ohio. That's right up by you, Devil. Yep. You know what Oak Hill is. Is that yep. pretty close to you? She yes. is buried with her father on January 5th, 1933. It's also a great place to go catch Pokemon. That's a big Pokemon Could, spot. I don't know because I'm a grown-up. Could okay. you stop there and take a picture of that grave? No. It would be, maybe, I mean, I'm sure people on our page would really appreciate it. They probably would, but She's I don't not do go that, to cemeteries. And how would I fucking find it? Well, it's not like they give me a map. Well, you can look around for All you got to do so is she, walk they sprinkled, in. They sprinkled the uh, ashes on her dad's grave, so you look for Robert uh, Robert Eastwood in Twistle. No. Yeah. So after... after um, like her name. In, in 2014, roughly 100 people marked the anniversary of her death by gathering in the parking lot at the Beachwood Market in Hollywood to watch 13 women on an outdoor screen. Proceeds from a raffle f- and from food and beverages sold at the screening were donated to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and in Twistle's name. The nice. end. Hey, Brandy, what's your final thought on Peg Entwistle, the girl in the Hollywood sign? Uh, it's it's a shame that she killed herself. Uh, Those the, are my thoughts. Well, that's very you're, it's very touching. I can see yeah, it. Very really. compassionate of you. Yeah, yeah. Colonel, your final thoughts on the girl in the Hollywood sign, the Is death she, of Peg Entwistle. Hollywood would just chew you up and spit you out, Timmy. I mean, uh, you, you know, and, and and I've been lucky, Timmy. I got the kids and I got the missus to mm-hmm. keep me grounded. Right. You know, so this fame and whatnot from this podcast your head. <laughs> has not destroyed me. Right. Um, Even but, though you're getting panties in the mail. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you live well, you got to tolerate certain things. I got right. the paparazzi They're when I go up to the house. They're from his relatives. like so. I, I try to walk, take Rudy at night, and I got you people got hiding in the bushes, gram. snapping my. And and the most annoying thing is is when, you know, like I'm walking the dog, and i am got my phone, and I'm playing the Pokemon. So you, you, and think, people it's stop a, me for you think maybe perhaps that it was best that she did not acquire fame because she would have to put up with the It's very paparazzi. difficult to live with fame. Like you. Yeah, you I mean, fame is not yeah. an easy thing to live with. But you're grounded. You're well Well, I got, you know, luckily I got a solid foundation around me, Timmy, and uh, I got, you know, Rudy who keeps me who keeps me grounded. And, you know, me and Rudy go out and walk in the woods and 
you know, go to Martha's okay, Vineyard and enough. whatnot. Mm. That's boring. Uh, <laughs> I would like to give a special birthday shout out to Erica Clements and Brandy McKenzie. We we missed Brandy's birthday, so I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry, Brandy McBride. Sorry, Brandy, we missed your birthday. We almost missed it again. Happy birthday, Brandy McBride. Thank you for your generous donations on Patreon, and we're hoping you have a we hope you had an awesome birthday. Colonel, you got some shout outs for us? I got some go. shout outs. Lay them on me. All right. Of course we got Miss Lovely Ophelia. Yes, who is the mother of the Tasha. The mother of Tasha. The beautiful Tasha out there in California, who's probably seen the Hollywood sign as well. Probably has. Jeff Girdley. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? Sa- Sam Hildebrand. What's going up, Sam? Um, Jennifer, of course, and Linda. Mm-hmm. Missy Jennifer Dean Horton. Britt and Chris, Celine. Dr. Jeff Chestnut. Dr. Jeff Chestnut, very nice guy. And yeah, let's Dr. give Don, his lovely wife, his lovely give her wife, a shout. Don. I don't know if she listens to the show, but she's a lovely woman. Yes. Um, Jeff, Jeff's another guy married above his. We, we, we call that overkicking your coverage, Timmy. Yeah, but he's a surgeon. Is he a surgeon? Well, he's a doctor. Yeah, but still, she's she's. she's oh, a I know she's beautiful. beautiful. Woman. I'm just saying he, you know, he's he's no, very. I'm he's not a saying. Very I'm man. not saying he's not bringing anything to the table. Yeah, I'm saying he's a very accomplished man. That's all. But uh, but he's got a, a I lovely, mean, it, just a lovely, it, lovely it, wife. Anyone you marry, <clears> be, I overkick my yeah, coverage. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Teresa Slavin, of course. Because you should die alone, clearly, is what Timmy's getting <laughs> yeah. at. Huh? Like him. Yeah. With a cat eating my nose. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Boomashine. <clears throat> Chanda and Larry. Shonda and Larry. They're, you know they're going to Disneyland. Oh, are they? Yeah. If okay. They, you know, uh, on your way back, uh, driving up uh, whatever that road is there in Los Angeles, stop by and see the Hollywood sign where Peg Entwistle yeah. jumped off the H. Diane and Clark. You know, it's probably been tougher her jumping off the O because she may have slid on either side. Yeah, just bounced her way down. Okay, we got Colton. story. Phyllis Munson. Turn the page. I'm trying. Aaron Wentz. I I feel bad for her. Donna Curran and her lovely dog. Uh, Tucker. Tucker. Yeah. Ryan and Lisa Lawton. Olivia Maya. Kate McCarthy. Listen up, Kate. You got... I'm tired of you saying I don't give you shout-outs. <laughs> Kate McCarthy, damn it. I'm going to see her tomorrow. Um, the beautiful Katya. I want to give a shout-out to our friend Wes, who listens to our podcast. He, Wes! It's kind of it's kind of embarrassing Wes. when someone you know. Wes, Wes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's oh, kind of embarrassing when someone you know comes up to you and says, hey, I heard your podcast. <laughs> oh. you it is because you don't know what to say. Uh, yeah, you know, uh-huh. you kind of want to just like. Yeah, I go into the vape shop and they call me the colonel and yeah. I'm just like, oh, man, I got to. I, I don't want people I know to know I act this <laughs> stupid. They know. Um, and somebody now this girl married, but I'm working really hard if it don't work out to get her hooked up with Taylor. And that is lovely. <laughs> She's married. Well, I know, but, you know, things don't always pan out. You just the lovely little Fallon. Fallon's Fallon will make a perfect. Lady, but she's happily married. Leave her be. Well, I worked on Jennifer Burdick, but Jennifer said, she, Jennifer told me she was close to 30 years old, Timmy. Jennifer also said, leave me alone, you creepy old man. Yes. No, she said you. Oh, that she was said very that. sweet of me. No. I just said, hey, you know, I got a boy here. He's handsome. Bridget Clavy, Byron Snellings, Denny. What's Denny's last name? I got Denny Mac right here. That's what he's going Denny for. Denny McNamara. Denny Mac McNamara. 
He was very generous. He offered to buy us lunch, be nice to him. Yes. But I like Denny Mac. I just think Denny Mac's cool. Well, you called him Denny McFarlane or some shit. Well, Denny that's McNamara. true. William Truax, Amber Croup, and Gina Splane of Trixie, of course, and Stephanie Quick, Sydney and Michael, Jamie Tarantino, who, I'll tell you what, amazing artist. I said that before. Mm, Laura O'Reilly, Gabby Lewis, John Cunningham, Tara. Bond. Gene Bond. Lydia. Happy birthday, Mandy McBride. The love Brandy McBride. Mm. Happy birthday. Uh, the lovely young Maggie Glover. Mm-hmm. She's she's Maggie. another one. Jeff Appel. Christine. Bourgeois. Katie. Brandy gets turned on every time I say that. I know she's I, she's over there. And she really gets excited now. when you say Katie. Katie. More head. There we go. What what do you want for Christmas, Timmy? Katie. More head. There we go. Good. You know, I, I don't see why, I really don't see. It why. never gets old. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, you know, listeners complain about us being vile <laughs> and and sophomoric. I mean, I really, I just, well, and you know what the thing is, is I have eighty six at least three Colonel questions of the day. <laughs> Because they were nasty. They got vetoed. Well, Timmy comes up with those crazy-ass questions. Yeah, but then he's quick to blame you for it. I know. Mary Ray. Mary Ray. Marvin Hammond. Marvin. Uh, Marvin Down Under. He's big Down Under. (laughs) Andy Volley. Yeah. John Cunningham. John Cunningham. Okay. Uh, Rebecca Montanle. Mike Eisenhower. Danielle Fredrickson. Um, Toby Deese, a new person. Jessica Bishop. Hold up. Would you just Sorry, let me I get through my away. list here? And this one, I got a little. A shout out to Peg and Twistle. This one, Peg. I got a little bit of a problem with, Timmy. And I've been giving a shout outs. I, I'm torn, Timmy. I'm torn. All right, get to it, Colonel. It's hour, it, it's it's Nancy, hour four here. It's Nancy, Nancy Palomino Jalapeno Papa. Uh-huh. And, and, I, and I found out this week, Timmy. You've got 70 more names. Let's get she, to it. She's in a mixed marriage. What do you mean mixed marriage? She's in a mixed marriage, and I can't approve. What do you mean? What are you saying that for? Timmy, she's a she's a, she's a a Chiefs fan, and her husband is a Raiders fan. I see. That ain't never going to work out. How's that going to work out? I mean, going into it, you know, it's just going to be a failure. They're both having good years. Better than the Broncos. And yes. then she talking smack to me on Facebook. What the? All right, continue, Colonel. Kim Kazmersky Kamikaze, Jennifer Hawkins, Tara Nee, Lindsay O'Brien, Eddie Rushing, Sonyana, Yo Handler, Sammy James, my buddy Jason Dykes, Amy Carol Payne, Tyra, of course, Tyra Jenkins. She's very funny. Very nice young lady. Yeah, she's um she's all ready for the zombie apocalypse, that's for sure. Um Carlene Madsen, Madison, I'm sorry, Alan Dobbs. Um, the lovely Kelsey Fro, Peter Fulmer, Amber Anderson, Danielle Fredrickson, Christian Dorma, lovely little M. Waterfall, Susan Angles, and Kristen Goodly da- God- Godly Davidson, Annette Petray, Steph Glenn, Christine Hodges, 
Christina Montana. Mm -hmm. The uh, she's related to Hannah Montana. She, no, I don't think she is, and I don't think uh, she she's been kicked out of more banks than anybody that really. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's the one that was the escrow lady. Ah. Uh, okay. Yes. You gotta love her. You gotta love her. I do. Love Marie her. Barber, Jennifer Potts, Cindy Overstreet Hamilton, of course. Paul Mampilli, Mike Arnold, Melissa Lebrano, Brittany Powell, we the Heathers, Heather Hall, Heather Poole, um, Ann Daza, Jeff Hopkins, John Janke, Mike Tabor, Lise, Kevin Behan, Carol Nash, Terrell, Ter Lise over there in Norway. Terry Hemsley. Lise is also a uh, Patreon. Supporter. Oh, okay. So I don't know if, if I left her off earlier, I apologize. Thank you, Terry Helmsley. We got another Heather, Heather Marshall. A new listener, Maddie Keenan. A new listener, Pavlova Valentina. And Amelia Sina Orozco. And Mena Khan. Michael Daniel. Jen Moyer. Jessica, Jess Bishop. Liz Evans. Brenda Deutsch. Stacy Lynn, of course. Jeffrey Dolan. Marion Buckwald. Jennifer Winans-Miller, Toby D. He's a new one. Susanna Sheldon, um, Skip Fayou, Kelly Jones, Brandy Deese. She's a new one. Andy Smizer, Gigi, Norma DiMaggio, um, and Janice Lopez-Leisha. Okay. So there's my show. Oh, and then we get to the last but not least, the Colonel's crew. We got Angie Ball. Mm-hmm. Nicola and Allie, and of course, when you got Allie, you got Charlie, and when you From got Allie and Charlie, you, you got, got the Insight Podcast. The Insight Podcast. Um, Sarah, Sarah Spaghetti Mimosa, Jen Burdick, Karen Barnes, Janet Fitzgerald, who's a little bruised up right now and banged up, and we'll hope you feel better very soon, Janet. Uh, Francis Doughton, Jessica Williams. Amanda Bocciball, Shannon, of course, um, Tiffany Bell, <laughs> Monica Agostino, Angie Cobes, and Radika Smith. How about Stephanie Quick? We got Stephanie Quick. All right. We already hit Stephanie Quick. <clears throat> All right. We would not Final forget. two. We would Let's not roll. forget. And the lovely Lady Beverly and the Royal Sully. Yes. And, and her husband, Graham. And the lovely and <clears throat> really the reason we do this podcast, Dottie Scott. Yes, hi, Why Mom. do you get all impatient when I get to Dottie? Brandy. Well, I do. He you does. Your eyes. Brandy. What? Where can people find us? They can find us on Facebook. Yeah, we have a group there. That most of the people we've mentioned are a part of our Facebook group. It's uh, History Dweebs, the podcast. You can join us and interact with us. Please do. We would love to have you. Where else can people find us? iTunes iTunes, please leave us a review. The last couple reviews we've got have been negative, so if you can uh, balance <laughs> so imagine that. Imagine that. I know. It's hard to believe. If you could leave us a, subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. It's how other people find us or not. Where else? Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Twitter at HistoryDweebs1, or you can follow the colonel at Hawk Waters. And then Stitcher and... Yeah, Stitcher or any of your yeah. podcast apps. We're... We're a household name. We're like Captain Kangaroo. A little bit. 
Okay, Brandy, any final thoughts before we get out of here? No. We okay. will be appearing on the local cable not. access channel 1073 at um, 4 a.m. on Friday night. We will not. We'll see everyone again next time <laughs> on even ask you. History Dweebs. Bye, everyone. I Bye. Some final thoughts. Good day. Fine. I'll keep them to myself. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.